<clears throat> but uh, the other day, so there was that. Did you hear that thing where uh, the kid who supposedly went into a coma and saw heaven, and his dad wrote a book about everything he told him, called Heaven Is For Real? <clears throat> and then the they made a movie out of it, and it was like pretty big for like a week among Christians. And then the kid's now like twelve, and uh, finally said none of that was real. Like wow. I didn't see any of that shit. And so people are like freaking out, and they're like, "Wait!" So the dad wrote a book that was best selling, and then they turned it into a movie, and so they're rich based off of this. And he was like, "Yeah, I told him." Basically, like, he told him some basic stuff. He told his parents, like, oh, yeah, I saw heaven when I was in a coma. And they, like, got so excited that he was, like, six years old or whatever. And so he kept, like, feeding them more to get attention and, like, mm -hmm. get affection. And <clears throat> eventually, like, his dad, like, started writing this book about it. And he was, like, of, like probably around the, like, release of the book time, he started being, like, you know, Dad, I think it's a really bad idea that we release this book. Mm -hmm. And his dad was just like, no, 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 it's great. And so the dad probably knew the kid was making it up, but by then it was, like, full steam ahead, you know? Right. And uh, so this announcement was made, and, like, the big thing was, like, the family name is Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> and so like and so like Andy Richter was like like being being shocked that a lie came out of a boy named Malarkey is like uh is like uh finally pull like realizing the wool was pulled over our eyes by Jonathan bullshit or something. <laughs> and then uh but then Jordan Morris tweeted, I, I was suspicious that maybe the account of heaven wasn't real when there was a room in heaven where everybody farted on their homework. <laughs> like, that is what a kid would imagine is in heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that was like the best joke about that. <laughs> um, All right. So we, that's our cold open. Jacob Forrest Jennings Severn. Max Boschert Zielsdorf. The name of our podcast is To Be Decided. Yes. <laughs> That's the name. That's the name of the podcast. Uh, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> uh, I am sorry, it's been long enough that I don't remember our uh, standard intro, but uh, this is uh, a podcast hosted by me. My name is Max Bajazilzerf, and my co-host... Jacob Severn. And uh, this podcast uh, we are calling Everything Except Rap and Country, and uh, it's, it's pretty good, this new podcast of ours. <laughs> I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, other than being heartbroken to realize that uh, that heaven is not for real, uh, how has your how has your week been, Jake? Oh, it's 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 been all right. You know, I I I definitely am a little bit upset, but I'm holding out hope that you know someone else will slip into a coma and see heaven. <laughs> You're always holding out hope someone else will slip into a coma. <laughs> I know, right? It's a very sick reason why every time, like once you explain it, it, I can't fault you. You're not wrong, but it's just weird that you're always hoping. Well, it, you've got to have something to hope for. <laughs> I'm no sorry about the time you came over and there was just a giant, like 
hash marks all over my wall with comas scrawled above it. <laughs> That's 1,032. <laughs> it definitely, it definitely like was, it, it just sucked up the conversation. Like that's all we could talk about. <laughs> like Jake, I came here to talk about some very important, I came here to tell you all about how heaven is for real. And all you talk about is, will people slip into comas or not? <laughs> but now I see they're connected. So I guess I can't blame you. Yeah, exactly. I was right all along. <laughs> no, my week has been, uh, my week has been good. It's been, um. It's been it's been very uh, uh, productive. <laughs> yeah, I'll say productive. that. Sure. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. Good. <laughs> uh, I I watched a, I watched a football game today. Yeah, um, I did not, but I heard exciting joys and cheers outside the window. Yeah, I, I being being from Seattle, I am a uh, Seahawks fan. I am. The amount of Seahawks fan that it seems like a lot of people in Seattle are, which is I pay attention to the Seahawks. I don't pay attention to most of the other football teams uh, mm-hmm. uh, unless they're playing the Seahawks or are involved with the Seahawks in some way. And um, I, I also try to, uh, much like a um, – uh, gentrifier in Brooklyn. I try to place myself on a timeline of of uh, of, of Seahawks liking in order to make myself not seem like a bandwagon jumper. Right, right. I probably totally am a bandwagon jumper. <laughs> I, 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 well, I think part of it is uh, I don't know about you, but I was so not a sporty kid. I never played on the soccer team or very like I. I guess occasionally would play like dodgeball and PE or whatever the hell, but I was basically like a dweebazoid who ran around pretending I was on Planet Romulus uh, during recess. And so it wasn't until like, and so as a result, like I bet I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and it would counter the like sports loving culture when like dudes around me at work, whatever job I had would have that easy. I don't know anything about you, but let's talk about football. And suddenly we're bonding and I didn't have that. And so I would be like, what a fucking waste. Like, it's the same thing that like people say about, and I say about like the Oscars, like it doesn't fucking matter, you know? Yeah, totally. And I don't know if that's a result of me getting older or if it's an actual shift in the culture, but I've noticed that fading. I've noticed the, uh, the nerd who is, uh, uh, sort of antagonistic towards sports, uh, because they never played them and weren't good at them, uh, seems like a thing of the past to me now. It seems like nerds totally like sports. Yeah, like, yeah. That's interesting. I, I, that, that's really interesting. I think you're absolutely right. I was going to say, like, yeah, because we're getting older, we're just less interested in, like, ec- like excluding parts of culture were more okay and open to well a thousand people a billion people like that i'll pick it up and analyze it but mm-hmm. i feel like maybe you're right that a big part of it or a bigger part of it is that is that is that culture our society is getting way more interested in like like different types of people like like we've, we're getting less clickish and mm-hmm. different types of people are like leaning over and being like what are you into what's the thing that's got you excited and like the obvious one to point out that people always talk about is um, to be nerdy is now cool. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not 
Like, so like culture has given me the cue that I no longer have to hide the fact that I enjoy playing Dungeons and Dragons and that I know the rules of Magic the Gathering. Um, but that's interesting. I never thought about that. The flip side of that is also true where, um, like the joke in, in community about the British teacher played by John Oliver being like, um, whatever, like Westham is playing so-and-so in a soccer match tonight or an English football match tonight, but I suppose you wouldn't know about that since you're an American. And Joel McHale's like, I'm a trendy American. I've been forcing myself to like soccer since 2006 or whatever. And yeah. uh, so, and with that comes, so yeah, like Sounders here in Seattle, everybody loves Sounders and no one is, very, very, very few people are like, eh, I don't have any, have any, ain't nobody got time for that. And so the same thing is with, is with football now, like, People, people can get into it. People try to get into it, even if they don't, if they're not a sporty type, and never were a sporty type. Right. It seems, it seems very old school to me when I meet someone who's a friend of mine with similar interests, uh, is either into nerdy shit or is, um, you know, um, an artsy type, or uh, you, you know, like the typical person who in the past would not like sports and they say mm -hmm. they're they don't like sports and they're antagonistic towards sports and i'm like oh that's such an old idea to be like <laughs> right right and you know i i tell people in seattle who i have some friends in seattle who just uh uh really you know groan and roll their eyes i have only a few really because seattle is is you know so fanatical about uh about the seahawks right now but um i i know a few people who groan and roll their eyes when the uh, subject of the Seahawks comes up and um, uh, I just tell them that it's it's a losing battle like to be, <laughs> yeah. be anti-Seahawks right now is yeah you might as well if you can't beat them join them because it's yeah it's, it's a it's a losing battle I also like I I, I recognize that there's very uh, very big problems um, inherent in in the uh, uh, NFL organization, um, mm -hmm. uh, having to do with um, head injuries and uh, that results in things like suicide from uh, uh, players age fifty and things like that. Like and it's and crazy. and the NFL's response to that has been fairly uh, uh, tepid, and um, and also the NFL's response to a player punching their wife in an elevator and yeah uh, yeah and, and then but. I think that the, you know, the, the, the Ray Rice punched his wife in an elevator and the NFL suspended him for two weeks. And then a bunch of people were outraged, rightly so. And then the NFL was like, never mind, you're fired. Um, uh, I think that's how it went anyway. Um, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, but <laughs> I but, think but, so too. I didn't follow it that closely after but that. But I do think that that's a result of nerds liking... <laughs> Football is as like like is it generally more people are into football, so there's more of a collective voice for good behind right, it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, but there's more also, sensibility. Also, there's just so much money involved. I think I the, the thing I get most annoyed by is when uh, you encounter the same thing with the Oscars too, when people are like, "Oh, it's such a waste! Like it's uh, it's a spectacle of waste." Uh, uh, all this, you know, those players are all millionaires it's just a bunch of millionaires butting heads and it gets the most money out of anything and you know we spent one one hundredth of that on schools uh then all of our children would be educated blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and i think i just like 
I think that that's such a moot point because <laughs> there's it's, it's it's all private money. It's not like it's not like the government is that it has a school budget and then a football budget and they're like right, weighing them right. against each other. It's like right, well, right. we allocate this much. It's like even no matter what is spent on football, that will never go to schools. Like right, right, exactly. It's like what your argument, what you're frustrated with, really is that every or the vast majority of Americans will spend a whole bunch of money to watch football. Mm. Like you're you're more more frustrated. These people who have this frustration and this complaint, really, what they need to be pointing at is back to what you said: a losing battle, where they're saying like, "I wish people didn't like that as much as they do." Yeah, and it's like, well, sorry, everyone fucking does. <laughs> like, yeah. that's gonna that's gonna change so slowly if it does. Like, what you're saying is you wish that we were more into national chess championships or something that we were a smarter people. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, no, you're not wrong, but it's that's you were born at the wrong time then because that's gonna be like a multi generational change, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, these things exactly. happen so damn slowly. And you're right, it's not, there's no senator that's saying, like, well, then let's spend less football money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, that money is going to be, this money is going to be in the hands of bajillionaires who would never give it to a dying orphan on the street. Like, that, 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 exactly. that, that money's always going to be in the hands of those bajillionaires, and those bajillionaires are always going to be giant dicks. So, like, yeah, yeah. I think there is something to be said about the, like, and I don't know enough to really speak educatedly or eloquently about it, but, you know, I read one article once that talked about how uh, it's fairly common for the mayor of a city to be like, uh, you don't have to pay any taxes on anything, uh, giant football franchise, uh, because we want to keep you here. And they'll, like, regularly be like, we're threatening to leave and they'll be like oh okay then we'll buy this for you or whatever mm -hmm. um, and that studies are done that's you know that are show that having a football franchise in your in your town helps the economy a great deal of that of that town and then other times they'll debunk that and say you know that's money that people are spending for uh, recreation so if they didn't spend it on football they'd spend it at restaurants or whatever right <clears throat> so it's all over the place and it does seem a little bit fishy that once again giant corporate you know rich people are trying to figure out how to avoid paying money that you'd think they could afford since they're so rich <laughs> right right exactly john oliver had a really good segment on uh fifa when the world cup was on oh that's right uh, and about what a terrible organization they are um, in every way, one of the one of the big things that uh, that they do, uh, like a lot of uh, football organizations, is that they uh, uh, don't pay taxes. You know, even though they're uh, they have they declare themselves a nonprofit, uh, right. which is ridiculous to think about. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, John Oliver made the point like this. You know, I just talked for twenty minutes about how horrible uh, this company is and gave you. Uh, hard facts on their horribleness, but I'm still so excited about the World Cup, and I'm still going to watch every minute of it. Right? Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, the slash film cast will do a review of Transformers, one of the many Transformers movies, and they'll shit all over them because they'll come up with very like cogent arguments about issues, basic structural problems with the movie, and then in the end they'll say this, you know, this uh, this is critic proof. There's nothing we can do to stop it from making a billion dollars, you know, nationally. Yeah. And three billion, you know, globally. And it's like 
people love what they love. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can, you know, nice work if you can get it if you're in the position like a Michael Bay or a FIFA man uh, who can um, who can who knows how to how to how to flick the flick the explosion bean in our minds, you know, and the and the competition bean. Yeah, yeah, totally. How do I get that job? Like, how do I become that? <laughs> That's the thing is, yeah, Michael Bay can't be can't be a dumb guy. He manages to make these movies that I find terrible. Uh, but you know, like like he's he seems to be making them smartly because yeah, I don't know. apparently not everyone finds them terrible. Or or the question of whether a th- the thing is terrible just doesn't enter into those people's minds. Yeah, or maybe it enters into their minds and they go see it anyway. Like, you know, it's like, uh, there wasn't one person who loved Star Wars Episode One, but Star Wars Episode One made you know, <laughs> billions of dollars. So, like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. <clears throat> I see the other day, somebody said, uh, the, st- the Star Wars movies are being released in the order that Yoda counts to ten in. <laughs> I was like, that was really funny. <laughs> he doesn't talk right at all. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> I get it now. Ah. <laughs> um. Uh. Oh yeah, you uh you uh you brought up you brought up the Oscars. The uh that was that mm-hmm. was something that happened this week. Oscar nominations came out. Yeah. Uh, do you do you uh? Do you watch award shows? Do you care about award shows in general? So I I had to go through that that period of going, who cares? They always choose the wrong movies anyway, before I finally came around to, yeah, but pe- but the industry cares and the audiences care. And mm-hmm. when, even if The Help wasn't a particularly amazing movie, uh, if... Uh, it wins a Best Picture award, or somebody become gets the Best Actress award in it. Then it um, is going to be in theaters for longer, and more people are going to talk about it, and more of the talent is going to be on talk shows the next day or whatever. And so it has it has an effect whether I think it's bullshit or not. Because for a while I was just sort of like, well, it's meaningless. So why are we talking about it? And so finally yeah. I came around to, well, we're talking about it because. Everyone talks about it, so you can't ignore the power of it. Right. <clears throat> and it's it is super fun to watch. It, like, as you know, though, like it's the what is it? It's the gay Super Bowl or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I fucking totally agree. Like, not gay, but like the non sports fan Super Bowl. And yeah. I love sitting with some friends drinking way too much while watching it and like live tweeting stupid shit that you think of while watching it both for that and the Super Bowl like that's just fun <laughs> and yeah. <clears throat> yeah so that's that's my stance on it and and I'll always be disappointed that it's kind of easy to manipulate the the academy to make uh, like oh we'll just make another Schindler's list and you'll fucking get all the awards yeah. um and <clears throat> and I, but but I mean I don't know I guess that's not necessarily like a bad thing I guess it's just like the film nerd in me is like frustrated that it's like well the content of that was good like remember back in high school when we were part of the you were you were much more in this but I was sort of a uh, uh, satellite in the uh, uh, poetry um, publication staff mm-hmm. 
and there was a big conversation where the so the idea was that all these students were submitting pieces of writing and um, then the anybody who volunteered to be a part of this publication got to vote on whether it should go into the like what is it quarterly uh, publication or not um, and so there was all this like all these high school students being like, I like this and I don't like this. And can you defend why? And do we want to have a conversation? Why? And I remember there was a big conversation. Uh, I think when you were one of the editors, <clears throat> um, about whether you're objecting to technique or content and the specific, the, the uh, example that I'll always think about was, Oh, i I gave this a shitty grade. Why? Cause it's about dogs and I hate dogs. And, um, and then, you know, everyone's susceptible yeah. to it because then that mm -hmm. same editor turned around and said, well, I hate this because it's about carnivals and carnivals are scary or whatever, yeah. whatever it was. And, um, you know, I delighted in being like, no, -ho, hypocrisy, because that's what high school is all about. But yeah. uh, the fact of the matter is that, yeah, we absolutely all um, are swept up by content and maybe it's harder to pinpoint technique. But then, like, the third act of that story is but maybe content's really important. And if you're discussing something, you know, uh, like if you're discussing something that's maybe not discussed as like coherently, you know, if you're, if you're showing what happened in the Holocaust better than any movie or, or book has ever shown, uh, then, then even if the movie is maybe not the most technically proficient, mm -hmm. it's important that this movie was made. And so we should give it a tip of the hat. Right, right. <clears throat> exactly. I mean, yeah, I think I think I uh, uh, discount uh, content too often, actually, because yeah, I used I used to be a I used to think that something was only worth my time because of the way that things are said, and not because of uh, not because of what is being talked about, uh, mm -hmm. and that that's bullshit because your attention goes to the things that you want to see. And oh yeah, that's true. Like, so like, you know, I uh, um uh I just watched um Love is Strange uh with John Lithgow and uh Alfred Molina uh hmm. playing a gay couple who's been together for about 40 oh, years. Oh, I have heard of that. And then they get married. Um uh I really liked it. Uh but nice. I definitely uh one of the reasons I really liked it uh, is because it's um, uh, John Lithgow and Alfred Molina being gay and cute <laughs> together. Like, and mm -hmm. it was like, like, um, and so you know, I definitely, I definitely was watching it because I uh, appreciate that message and I appreciate that that is in a movie. Um, uh, right. Not only, not only can they portray a, uh, a gay relationship, but that they can portray a relationship between two men in their late 60s that was i thought impressive yeah uh, yeah uh, that's interesting that's like <clears throat> the last i mean not really but in, in in some ways it's like the last bastion of acceptable or like not that well represented subculture now that mm -hmm. now that it that now that gay is cool and trans is is like hot on the tails uh olds are now the like thing that people are finally like well let's hear their story too yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I um, think goes exactly ties into what you're saying where nerds are interested in football and 
jocks are interested in Dungeons and Dragons. Like we're all and interested in what everyone else is doing. Everybody loves holds. <laughs> Nerds, jocks, everybody. <laughs> they love them. The, the emos, the screamos, <laughs> the chimos. <laughs> There's that great scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where she's saying, "Who loves Ferris Bueller?" The the secretary is telling the uh, is telling the principal who loves Ferris Bueller, and she names all those uh, uh, subcultures of the high school. One of them is sportos, and one of them is sluts. <laughs> so awesome! It's so funny. <laughs> well, and so yeah, the the sluts love the old gays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have, I, I have I have similar opinions about the Oscars. I uh, I definitely. Uh, have had a tradition of watching the Oscars instilled in me by my parents, I think. Um, and then at some point, I think I I was sort of against it because uh, because yeah, the, the, obviously it's not a measure of what's good. Like like the, uh, obviously the the movies that are supposed right. to like the the best movies of the year, in my opinion, are never going to be the movies that that. Win, and then I sort of went back on that because I thought, well, but like, like, who cares about that? I kind of am into the spectacle of the Oscars, and I, I, I get swept up in the hype, uh, and, but I always have just thought it was very, yeah, it's ultimately completely meaningless. It's just a bunch <laughs> of people giving each other awards, like, uh, like it's, it's just, a, it's, 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 just like, it's like, oh, hey, congratulations on your award, uh, um. Uh, and, and the other person says, "Congratulations on your award!" And they hand each other award. It's like, it's like <laughs> just a bit of a room full. It's like a circle of people shaking hands. Um, and, <laughs> the and, most uh, expensive circle ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, I, I, I remember when they had Chris Rock hosting, like in early two thousands or something. He was talking about Jude Law, and he said something about uh, who is Jude Law and why is he in every movie. Because mm-hmm. Jude Law made like seven movies right. uh, that uh, that year, and he had for a lot of people just came out come out of nowhere, and uh, and then about forty five minutes later, like far after his opening monologue, uh, when awards were being presented, Sean Penn was presenting an award, and he seemed very uh, uh, you know uh, dour, serious, and he said he said, "Well, to to answer Mr. Rock's question." Jude Law is one of our finest actors. Is <laughs> this by saying like something like our finest actors makes it all seem so fake and just like who cares? I think the right. the Golden the Golden Globes, which I think is maybe more successful as a as an actual show. I think the Golden mm-hmm. Globes is probably more entertaining. It's it's more focused on comedy, is why maybe I think they they're more likely to get really funny people to host it and present. <clears throat> Maybe mm-hmm. because there are awards specifically for comedy, or maybe because they sense that it's a dying thing. I don't know. I mean, I do know that the Oscars are like in trouble. Everybody talks every year about how the viewership is going down. Oh but, yeah. But uh, uh, the Golden Globe seems completely fake because it's the what is it? The foreign press or something that votes on it? It's 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 I don't their know. version of the Academy. The Academy mm. hands out the Oscars, and the people who hand out the Golden Globes or assign them to people are the foreign press circle, I think. Interesting. It's like, it's like some uh, guy named Bjorn Bjornsson <laughs> <laughs> saying, oh, I think, I, think the, I think the help was great. And it just is 
so strange to see people get up there and say, I'd like to thank the Ford press circle or whatever. And it's like, well, this is completely meaningless. Like, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, I like, I gotta say, I love, I love the, I love the conversation that goes on around it. I love, uh, um, seeing all the movies and having an opinion on whether or not they were snubbed. Ultimately, like who wins doesn't really matter because they, it, because nominee is just as powerful almost yeah i feel that way <clears throat> yeah it's funny to say like it's an honor just to be nominated and you realize that that's code for it really doesn't fucking matter that i didn't win <laughs> like, yeah exactly like i mean yeah all that all that'll happen is maybe your movie won't be held over in theaters uh long as long as it would and you know, we might not be able to squeeze out as much money and you don't get uh, uh academy award winner as a as a uh you know, as a as a pre-title of your name, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, because basically, like, yeah, the getting you nominated is what all of the people who made the movie did. Making you win has nothing to do with the people who made the movie, so it seems way more meaningless to like, like the, the. It's a uh, I. I heard that. Uh, you know the big talk around the Oscar nominations, and I want to, I want to, I, I want to say I don't care. I really don't care. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding, guys. But uh, but the, the um, uh, I obviously do care because I'm like, um, uh, but uh, the big talk around the Oscar nominations is like snubbed for Selma, and I haven't seen Selma, yeah. but I heard a really weird inside baseball kind of thing is that. Uh, People were mad about Selma because uh, they didn't send out enough DVD screeners or something, or they refused to send out DVD screeners, uh. maybe. I think that was it. They refused to send out DVD screeners except to some of the most important people. So people were mad that they had to go see the movie. Which was like, <laughs> so which, they, they, they like judged it more shittily out of grumpiness? Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked that up. Sounds insane to me. <laughs> like, it's, it's like makes it sound so meaningless and ridiculous. Right, right. Such a, like, rub-and-tumble operation they've got going on there. <laughs> well, or, like, the all the stuff about, like, uh, how... Um, what was it for... Uh, what was it? The... Oh, man, it, it was so important the year that it came out. <laughs> uh, but Eddie Shakespeare Murphy... Shakespeare in Love. It was Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love. And Eddie Murphy got uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actor as an Animated Donkey in Shakespeare in Love, who whispers oh, yeah, right. all of the play titles to Shakespeare. Yes. And, um, and he, quote-unquote, should have won, but... And it's, people said it seemed like he was going to, but at the last second, um, Alan Arkin won for his portrayal as a Talking Goat in... Uh, Last Samurai, that <laughs> as a result, uh, oh, oh, so but he so he won instead at the last second. People said because Norbit came out, and so it was like, oh, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy. Wait, Norbit? Never mind. He doesn't get an award for the actual thing he's nominated for. Oh, and, right. Because <laughs> and so it's like it, the opinion circling the person affects their performance in this movie, apparently. Yeah. Or it's like, well, Eddie Murphy obviously doesn't care about getting an Oscar because he is not putting out Oscar guys. I movies. see. Or, okay. I don't know. That's Yeah, that's super crazy. Are we talking about The Last Samurai with 
<laughs> with Tom Cruise. Wait, what? Like, what was Alan Arkin a talking goat in? This is a dream you had. <laughs> no, I just I'm being a silly boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for, for comedy jokes. Oh, okay. Um, Alan Arkin was the best supporting actor in uh, the Yellow Bus that won't stop honking. Oh, uh, Magic School Little Bus Miss Sunshine. Oh, right. <laughs> um, Magic School Bus, the movie. <laughs> yeah. And he got Best Supporting versus Eddie Murphy, right. who was in Dream Girls, was what it was called. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And so, and that's then the other one that I always think about was that uh, the third Lord of the Rings movie got a shit ton of Oscars, including Best Picture, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and so. it was the worst of the three. And people were like, "Well, it's to represent all three films." Yeah, it's like, I heard so that we're a lot. not giving awards to movies; we're giving awards to like things. <laughs> well, that's that's become a that's uh seems like it will become more of an issue as franchises get bigger and bigger and as so many of the most popular movies are parts of franchises mm-hmm. they can never feel like they can give an oscar to a movie that is a sequel because these sequels will 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 presumably go on for all time at least the comic book movies oh my um, gosh that's a very good point but uh, but it, but it also um, uh, just probably helps to separate those movies entirely because you, you because those you know some are blockbuster types or, or any kind of comic book movie would only ever get uh, relegated to the special effects category. I think. Like, yeah, right. Like, there needs to almost be like a. Like a superhero franchise award ceremony, <laughs> like its yeah. own thing, where Arrow and Agents of Shield and uh, Captain America and uh, Man of Steel, every show and every movie and fucking every comic book uh, and every video game, it all gets thrown or like or like nerd movie, nerd <laughs> franchise movie, so that you can also get all the Star Wars films in and all the Star Trek films in. And just it's like <laughs> this, like Iron Man d- went above and beyond standard superhero movies by having uh, almost uh, Woody Allen like uh, f- uh, banter, you know, where it was, felt like it was off the top of their head. And no other uh, comic movie has done that. And it's certainly not a fucking best picture, but it is a yeah. best superhero movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. I just do not want to be in that room. I just do not want to be in the best nerd, best nerd shit awards room. Yeah, the red carpet um, is a nightmare. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it doesn't matter how good that movie was; it will never be acknowledged by uh, the you know the the. The can the, the yeah the Oscars canon, and I guess Oscars are the ultimate like gatekeepers of uh, what gets accepted into like what's a serious movie like yeah I don't know right which yeah I think that then that's the all the more reason to be frustrated that Selma was uh, snubbed and that and that there's like so and that's like similar to to how like you said a wider variety of people are um, watching. Uh, 
football and the careers of the players surrounding the NFL that there's going to be more of an outcry when something um, unjust happens than there would have been when it was just um, angry dads who work on their car. Um, And so similarly, I feel there's more of an outcry when like this year, everyone's saying like the Oscar nominees are way too white. Um, Mm -hmm. And that Selma in particular strikes one as Oscar bait. Uh, and yet still got, got snubbed. So it's like, and, uh, like, and she didn't even get a best director. I forget the, the director's name, but it's like one of the few black women in yeah, the director's Duvernay, I think. nicely done. I'm racist for not knowing that. <laughs> and, uh, so like, it is weird and it does stick out and it is like, that's odd. And I feel like maybe that always would have been talked about in the past, but I feel like there's also way more um, people are ready, more ready now to 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 police these kinds of things. And I mean, obviously we can go too far and everyone can get too PC and blah, blah, blah. blah, But like that's this is not an example of that. Like like this is an important issue that is being discussed. And um, I feel like it's more like, you know, like like we aren't. People like half the time people don't buy Priuses because they actually care about the environment. They buy Priuses because it's the trendy car to buy, right. and it's like fine. <laughs> they do the right thing for the wrong reason. That's totally fine. At least it's getting yeah. done. And so like it's trendy to call racism or call sexism or uh, uh, call uh, your should get mad when people hit their wives ism. But like. Oh man! Everyone's honking outside my window, and people are screaming because <laughs> because we won a championship. You live in the most exciting city <laughs> at this moment. Right, right. Like, give it another ten minutes, and it will not be as exciting. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a whirlpool of of uh, uh, things. <laughs> It's a whirlpool of things. <laughs> well, that's the subtitle to my life. A whirlpool <laughs> this is, of things. It's a rejected subtitle to Selma, actually, which is yeah. maybe why <laughs> it was not considered seriously. <laughs> it's like when there... I don't remember what movie I went and saw, but there was a trailer. It was at an art house theater, and so there was, all the trailers were real art house theater-type movies, and uh, one of them was sort of like... Uh, that Baraka movie where it was like cutting between all these different like cultures all over the world doing all various things and I was like what is the scope of this movie it's not focusing on anything and then when it said the title it was The World it's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> god damn it it's like they should have just called it everything ever <laughs> it's like you've got to focus on one subject a little <laughs> The director of the world's like, I don't understand why it wasn't a success. It was like everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything was in it. You can't not like it. <laughs> it's like when I when I tried to write an epic four-part uh, time travel adventure script, and the title that I kept insisting on was Time. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> all right, Kubrick. <laughs> you're not doing what you think you're doing. <laughs> so grand. <laughs> Which I guess isn't that different from Interstellar. <laughs> um. So, uh, uh, how was your week? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. 
On Thursday, I went and saw Tig Notaro do stand-up uh, in Seattle, and it was awesome, man. She is so goddamn hilarious. She's um, so funny. Uh, at one point, she like she gets really distracted. So she isn't like a joke-telling comedian. She's just like the funniest person that you know who just says everything super funny. Yeah. And so she's just telling stories and like I was like couldn't breathe at some of the the like nonstop hilarity of some of these stories and of course the way she delivers them is is a huge part of it. And then it, and then she kept getting distracted. Like things would pop into her mind and she would just like stop in the middle of a story and tell something else and then she'd talk about how she was distracted and then she'd get distracted again so you were like five layers deep from the original like material she was trying to deliver and <laughs> um, at one point she was like uh, she, she goes Anya you don't want to hear that story and everyone started cheering and then she was like it's really weird that when you wanted to hear the story, and I said, I'm not going to tell it. You cheered. Like, wouldn't you think that that would mean you don't want to hear it? So what I want you guys all to do is shout, like, and jeer and, and freak out like a like an angry mob at a town hall meeting. <laughs> and she's like, so I'm going to say, uh, uh, no, you don't want to hear that story. And you guys all have to freak out <laughs> like a town hall meeting. <laughs> And so she she did. She was like, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not going to tell that story. You don't hear that story. And everyone started going, ah, rah, rah. <laughs> and like one guy stood up and like pointed at her. And so then she was like, that was great. This guy is knocking it out of the park. This guy's bringing it. Okay, we're going to do that again. And I want only him to stand up and freak out. And I want the rest of you to be completely silent. Uh... <laughs> and so then she did it again. And the guy was like, tell the goddamn story. <laughs> and everyone else was totally silent. And she was like, can you imagine if someone like just got back from the bathroom to that? <laughs> it was amazing. Like It was just like derail after derail. <laughs> it's like, this is the that, best thing. That's fucking great. I don't, I, I don't witness enough um, uh, stand-up comedy live. And so I'm so... Uh, just never, you know, the fact that I'm never in the room is just, I, 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 most of what a really good comedian does a lot of the time is if they're doing a live performance, they will do crowd work like that. Yeah. And, um, it seems like something she is really good at. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just seems like she is constantly thinking of interesting, funny things and is so comfortable on stage that she's totally happy to just flow outflow all the crazy shit that she yeah. is coming up with. And it's like, that is so much more fun than some funny ideas, you know, observational comedy you had on the subway or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's that, there's that, um, uh, special that she put out, um, uh, through that Louis CK put out. Um, Oh uh, yeah. Her, Live. Her, uh, yeah. Her, her uh, uh, story that is about her life and is and is uh, you know very very serious and heartfelt. Um, did you listen to that one? It's like the uh, one where uh, she comes on stage and is like, "I just learned I have cancer." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I own that. It's it's really good. It is really good, and uh, and she does that great thing where at the end of that she has like the story about the she tells a story about being passed by a bee on the freeway where right. she, she's, she's in stopped traffic and a bee flies past her and she's like why am I being passed by a bee and it, it just like 
after uh, the story she just told from her life. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just the funniest thing. She's the best. Yeah, it makes it like suddenly makes all of like stand-up comedy seem like such a fucking useless trifle, you know? Yeah. And and of course we all know that it is, but like if you're into comedy, then you kind of think of it as like this this art form that we're constantly trying to push the envelope on and mm-hmm. here she is just talking for an hour about struggling with all these intense hardships in her life and then and and then finally just jumping back to that like pre-rehearsed joke just as like why do we do this? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She, she definitely seems like one of the more pure comedians that I've seen. Where she's just, she's just doing her own thing. She's just totally mm-hmm. everything she's doing is, is, you know, she. It doesn't feel like she's being directed by anyone. Oh um, yeah. Uh, uh, directed and, and, and I, I don't mean uh, like a, a, someone pulling the strings behind her I just mean being directed by anyone in terms of like deciding that they should do something because that's the popular thing mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something like that I um, uh, there's a, a gentleman that I know um, uh, who uh, is a comedian and uh, I know him as a, I know him as a really funny guy, uh, and, um, a, and, a, and a great guy to be around, um, but I don't find his comedy, uh, very funny. And his, hmm. a, and his, his comedy is, uh, a lot of, uh, it feels very, uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane to me. It feels, sure. it, 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 it feels, it feels like easy jokes and it's also a lot of references to like 90s television. And oftentimes, huh. just saying the name of of of, of some uh, yeah. character in a '90s TV show, and that's the joke. Right. And, um, and he's gotten by fairly well on it. Like, like, like people seem to like it. Uh, that's uh, cool. And, and, but it's uh, 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 because people, you, you know, it's 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 that brand of humor. It's it, and and right. people obviously love uh, the cultural references in Seth MacFarlane shows as well. Mm-hmm, but because mm-hmm. I, I, I got to thinking that because I know the guy and know kind of what he's like and know that he is funny, I say that is, that is, uh, I, I, I blame the industry on that one. Like, I, <laughs> like, like, like as, as a, as a comedian and a comedic actor, he wants to work. Like that's all he wants to do. Sure, he's um, chasing where the spotlight is, basically. Right. Yeah, and you shouldn't fault him for that. Uh, right. His, right. It's, it's his profession. Uh, whereas if I didn't know him, I would be like, this guy is super unfunny and I hate it. <laughs> but, but, yeah. And yeah. I won't say I won't say his his comedy is super unfunny. It's just not my thing. Um, uh, sure. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, so many people who I have totally written off uh, uh, in in comedy and in other realms as well um, uh, are probably pretty talented and pretty good at what they do but have made a decision to do something broad and mediocre because they know that's what will get them work and right. I think that's unfair of me but I'm also not really going to do the work of uh, looking into uh, you know what people are really like, or like you know. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> they're, like, they're choosing to present a facet of themselves to the world, 
it, it would be inappropriate to try and discover the other facets of this famous person. Right. Exactly. Well, but you, you know, you're, you're, you're presented with, uh, uh, the idea of like the starving artist, I guess, like the person who yeah. said, fuck all that, uh, bullshit of what people want. I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to, uh, starve because, <laughs> because I did <laughs> right. what I want. Like I am going to be punished harshly because I did what I want. And uh, those figures are revered in art and by thinking people. But the fact is that that person probably would have liked to have been able to, like, afford a better life or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's that episode of Louie where, where uh, the, the old friend, the old comedian friend comes back um, uh, and, you know, is, uh, um, you know, tells tells Louis that, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, I, 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 I have not ever been successful as a comedian. Um, I'm, I'm just going to go commit suicide now. And, um, right, right. and it's a heavy episode and it's a really good episode. And it's a little, it's a little problematic because Louis has to put himself in the position of being like the one who saves this guy. And like, <laughs> how do you do that? How do you do that as the maker of a show when you're the subject of your thing? And not look like a complete self-aggrandizing dick, right, but right. like I think he, I think he handled it pretty well. But there's flashbacks in the episode of uh, them as younger comedians, and uh, and Louis getting more and more recognition, and uh, the guys that the, the other guy who is not getting as much recognition is just like, oh, you're not real anymore. You're not a, you're not being a real oh, yeah. artist anymore. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I found that interesting. It, it was all like, yeah, it was all. Uh, um, uh, spurred by me, yeah, by me seeing it was just, um, uh, it reminded me, speaking of stand up comedy, it was, it was all spurred by watching this, routines of this guy, and I'll be like, I know he's funnier than this, but I guess, like, he should, you know, he should not have to prove that to people if that's not, if that's not what he wants to do. Like, if what he wants to do is, uh, jokes that reference 90s television, then that's fine. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, that's true. And and I, like nice work if you can get it like um, whoever can perceive that that's what the world is itching for and then and then not only make it but make it in a way that like I feel like just as many people went oh Family Guy's big huh I'll do Family Guy style stand up and fucking weren't mm-hmm. that good at it you know yeah. and made it made something that was just a little off kilter from what really people were hoping for and. Right. Like there's pushing the envelope and then there's just like changing the thing that is popular arbitrarily. Right, right, exactly. Well, I think that I, I don't know. I thought that it, maybe you know more about uh, the Michael Richards thing than I do. The, the guy who played Kramer who mm-hmm. uh, went off on a uh, racist rant on stage um, <laughs> and uh, – Michael Richards, is that his name? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and it seemed to me that uh, he was just a comedian who had an act that was very loose and was not well-formed and uh, felt like he needed to do something crazy on stage because he had seen it work for, uh, uh, for people who were now, uh, now doing a lot better. Like, like I, th- I think, I think 
envelope pushing uh, crazy offensive comedy was hot at the time, and it seemed like a market decision for him to be like, to be like okay, maybe I'll do maybe I'll do that because because people aren't really liking this. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that that was what I saw. That was what I saw that as. It's kind of and it just went horribly wrong because he wasn't good at it. Like he didn't do it <laughs> yeah. in a good, he didn't do it in a good way. Like yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 a tough racket to like be offensive in a way that gets people excited because like it's so easy to go too far. There are certain things people never want to hear you say. Yeah. And yet the whole point is that you're saying things they never thought they wanted to hear you say. Like, you know, it's the same magic as like, I mean, not that all the decisions are that Apple made was on Steve Jobs, but supposedly the guy was a visionary and came up with, you know, a hundred different things that everyone wanted and combined them into one before anyone realized they wanted them all combined into one. It was the whole, like Mm -hmm. being one step ahead of the zeitgeist or whatever. And, um, some people are fucking magicians at it and we everyone knows those people's names and then other people just start screaming the n-word <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if he hadn't so, been kramer on one of the biggest sitcoms in the world 15 years earlier everyone just would have been like oh, there's a fucking lunatic doing this stage show yeah yeah exactly it's like oh geez um uh yeah, a complete crazy person, but and then yeah, I don't know. And then and then he um went away again. Like I don't like I don't know. The, everyone except Jerry Seinfeld from that show has gotten into the public eye for a little bit after the show for some reason. His was the worst. The others were just like for mediocre performances and other things. But right, yeah, well, I'd nobody... say uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus has kept herself pretty well afloat. She has, and I guess Veep is funny. I forgot about Veep. I was yeah. thinking of the New Adventures of Old Christine, which uh, <laughs> yeah. which which I, I which I you know heard wasn't very good. But. Yeah, yeah, I think it was supposed to be like one of the more clever sitcoms than all the other sitcoms. Like in right. the same way that supposedly High Met Your Mother was a little sharper than most of the rest of the sitcoms. Right. But you know, if if you're into Louie, then maybe even that doesn't seem that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It still hits all the same beats as a New York uh, as as a as a uh, um, uh, network sitcom. So yeah, 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 absolutely. But whatever. Like apparently, How I Met Your Mother is real funny, and people did like New Adventures of Old Christine. Uh, I like Wanda Sykes. Mm. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, it's it's true that that all the and and that was what was kind of cool on. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm in the early seasons, he would meet up with uh, Julia Lee Dreyfus, or he'd meet up with Michael, or not Michael Richards, uh, Jason Alexander, to say, like, they'd be going, okay, it's time to come back. I know I have talent. Like, can I be known as something other than the thing? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it must be crazy to, like, be famous for something and be rich and have a really hard time getting work in a new direction. Like, um, unless, of course, you want to show photos of your nude erection, in which yeah, case, exactly. <laughs> no problem there. But, um, but like, you know, Paula William Shatner, the guy is known, he's famous for like seven different things over the course of his career. And is he? What else is he famous for? Well, like, you know, there's the couple Twilight Zones. I don't know if we'd consider that a, okay. its own thing. But then, uh, freaking. 
Priceline negotiator. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, most recently, uh, oh, uh, flipping that, that lawyer show. Um, oh, yes, that's right. Boston Legal. Yeah, Boston uh, Legal, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Not okay. Boston Public or Boston Common. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, what was the, what's the restaurant? The real shitty restaurant? Oh, yeah. Boston yeah. Market? Boston Market. <laughs> well, I did see William Shatner in Boston Market once, but yeah. it was it was during one of his career slumps. <laughs> right, exactly. And he was slumped over a bowl of chili. <laughs> Oh man, you and Tignataro. <laughs> Greatest material out there. My Boston market material is hot. <laughs> Unlike <I'm> their like... <laughs> chili. <laughs> yes. Boston market was this close to sponsoring our podcast. I know, I was about to say, they're gonna. No! <laughs> the rep at Boston Market I had given him the name of the podcast I was like just check it out so was like, Jerry just so you know we're still interested <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I uh, met Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld for a second <laughs> <I was very laughs> <confused>. <laughs> he just, just hands in so many pies <laughs> I know right <laughs> yeah he has done many successful things but still Still goes to Boston Market. Still is the peak of his career is honestly the manager of Boston Market advertising. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a good fallback. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, So yeah, you were saying you were saying to um, uh, 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 somebody can, you know, it's it's difficult for people to do something else after they are so well. Right. It's like reinventing the wheel. It's like it's like. I was reading some article about, this was long, long ago, about the making of the sequel to Myst, that CD-ROM point-and-click game, Yeah, that everyone fucking ate their own shit over and loved when Myst came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's not your thing. I've met a lot of people that are just like, I could not fucking play that game. Like, how is that even a game, you know? Um, and I fucking adored it. Like, <laughs> was the, it was again, rather than playing, uh, you know, softball in the field, I was inside playing Mist. <laughs> and this is the best. <laughs> and then they made Riven, the sequel to Mist, was the <laughs> subtitle of that game. <laughs> was it? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> because somebody went, uh, no one knows this is Mist 2, dogs. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> And yeah, there had to be there had to be some guy in the room that really argued like argued hard against calling it Miss Two. Like no one's yeah. seen it. like the integrity of the project says that we right. call it Riven. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you can say, like, oh, yeah, well, I really enjoyed Mist when I was in seventh grade, but in ninth grade, I was really obsessed with Riven, and people are just like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, those yeah. are just noises. Like, yeah, 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 I was into Glee Globe, too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyway, I was reading an article in, like, Wired or something about, like, the company Cyan making Riven, and them just being like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? We may like there was nothing, and then there was mist. And so, how do you reinvent the wheel again and make mist squared? You know, right? And so it's. You know, I really like to think of the William Shatner's performance in Boston Legal as the ribbon to his Captain Kirk's <laughs> mist. 
Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> and, you know, fewer people know about it, but those who are big fans love both. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, though, the reason I think William Shatner was my, like, random poll for somebody who is been popular for multiple different things was because I got I got kind of drunk on my own the other night, which is a thing that healthy people don't do. But uh, uh, I started playing random songs in my iTunes. You know that state you get to when you're maybe in your ho- own house and you've had a several beers and you only want to listen to music that you've you really never have to hear again, like you've heard 50 trillion times. Right, right, yeah. It's like comfort exploration or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's essentially uh, non-physical masturbation, <laughs> and because um, it's just like only the easiest thing, nothing challenging. And mm. so I came. I remembered that I have the uh, William Shatner album from like 2008 or something called Has Been, that mm-hmm. was produced by Ben Folds. And I was listening to this track where it's like a spoken word piece, because that's what he's famous for. But it's like this really kind of touching, like, monologue that he delivers to music uh, about, like, this 60-year-old father trying to get in touch with his 40-year-old daughter and how he just wants to, like, sit and have coffee with her. And and he doesn't want to talk about the bad stuff. And uh, Ben Fold sings the chorus about, like, this is me trying or whatever. And I was like, this is genuinely, like... Uh, actually pretty emotional and so i started writing a fan email to william shatner to tell him how good the album was and i like i found it in my drafts folder like five days later and i was like oh jesus christ max like i'm like (laughs) writing about how like i i gotta say i really love your work and i love you you kind of remind me of a dad (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like no filter, you know, but like trying yeah. to write a genuinely good email with a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> oh man, that's so great! <laughs> so I never sent it, but it did suddenly hit me that like one day, you know, knock on wood, that man will pass away, and if I never have the opportunity to tell him that his work genuinely affected me at various times in my life in the past, like mm. that'll that'll kind of that'll sting a little. I never got the chance to tell him or whatever, but right. he doesn't fucking care. That's only for me, you know. He's already been told that by everybody else, so yeah, I'm fine. Exactly. <laughs> I yeah. don't have to send that email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's he's not he's not thinking. I wish I would have reached one more person. Or like, yeah, he's really <laughs> exactly. he's, he's got it. He's got it taken care of. Um, uh, someone was telling me the other day that uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin doesn't handle his uh his 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 one hit wonder ness with enough grace i guess that michael Culkin is known as a public dick i guess uh when uh, people go up to him in public and uh say lines from home alone uh, okay. he's just like get away from me uh <laughs> which i can totally understand um yeah <laughs> and the person telling me this like i can totally understand too, but you have to realize that you've delighted so many people with uh, with the one thing that you did, and uh, and you were never really able to uh, to do another great thing after that. And I and I thought I was uh, I was thinking I I guess Macaulay Culkin really he he did Home Alone and 
my girl. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I guess. I guess. What else? What was Macaulay Culkin supposed to do? Oh <laughs> right. What was the path for that guy that would have worked? Yeah. And I guess. I. I, I guess he has a. He has a fraught uh, story because his parents stole his money. Um, oh uh, right. So he has a, he had a, as that has a an unfortunate uh, uh, experience as a child actor, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think maybe his like biggest contribution is that he would have been the oldest brother, and now we have Kieran Culkin who was able to like prob I would imagine watch his older brother's footsteps and not make the same mistakes, you know? Yeah, because he seems like a really well-adjusted young actor who's in. Not a huge number of things, but like everything I've seen him in, I've really liked him. Yeah, I saw him in a play a little while ago. Oh, that's that, awesome! Um, yeah, it was, it was called "This Is Our Youth," um, and it was him, uh, Michael Sarah, and um, Tabby Gevinson, who is the uh, editor of um, of Rookie, which is an online uh, style publication. Oh, interesting! For like uh, directed toward high school girls, and the big thing about Tabby Gevinson is that she started making this fashion blog, this style blog, when she was 13. And she's 18 now, and she's, like, the... Uh, Hippest kid in the entire city. Empire. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's, she's ex- extremely well-accomplished for being super young, and she's a really great role model for uh, young girls. That's awesome. Um, but also, um, uh, alongside um, uh, uh, the other two actors in the play, who's also really, really good, I was impressed with her as an actress. I guess she's hmm. also in a couple of movies. I don't know. Yeah, no, Kieran Culkin was great. I was like, wow. I don't can't really name anything Kieran Culkin's in besides also Home Alone, um, uh, where he's like four. Um, oh, like he's that. one of the many siblings that. Yeah, he's the he's the he's, uh, he's the one who pees the bed. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, so no, he's in uh, with Michael Sarah in uh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. And he's delightful. And uh, he's in this sh- film, Igby Goes Down, which sort of felt like in response to the popularity of Rushmore, but it's actually a really well-made movie, and he does a really good job in it. Oh, yeah. I was talking about Igby Goes Down with somebody uh, just the other day, because uh, I was saying that I had watched uh, Togetherness, um, uh, which is the new... Uh, uh, comedy on HBO, and oh yeah, uh, which I, the which Mark I, Duplass one, right? Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that. I was like, I was like, Mark Duplass is great in it, but I I worry that we might be reaching peak Duplass. Yeah, like, I, I it's. I'll take uh, Jay Duplass, but I think I might be done with Mark Duplass for a little while. Just because he does the same thing all the time, or uh, yeah, well, yeah, a little bit of that. I think it's also easy to find him annoying if you're maybe not in a good mood (laughs) like he's he comes across as like like he always plays a character who is kind of too sure of himself and shouldn't be right and i think that's very appropriate for like what's the one uh the one i love it's on netflix Mm -hmm. streaming right now i just watched that a few weeks ago so good right i love it yeah and he's perfect for that role but does he need to be the same on the Mindy project where he's the attractive doctor working upstairs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's definitely in everything he does, he's just Marky Blossing around. He's just <laughs> right. yeah. being the mo- 
the most Duplassy Duplass who ever Duplass. He's the more duplicitous Duplass of the Duplass brothers, <laughs> of the Duplass duo. <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, Lil Lil J Duplass in Transparent is one of the greatest roles. But then it's hard to say because like everyone on Transparent is goddamn genius. So yeah, <laughs> it's like hard to pick. But yeah, no, I totally see what you're saying. Like when we've reached peak whatever it's 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 all dependent on how uh like digestible the person's persona is right and so that's why i never got sick of seth rogan or michael Sarah because i find them harmless and lovable mm -hmm. but mark duplass is a bit threatening just a yeah. bit yeah yeah, I see. Because he's so attractive, right? Because he's worried he's going to steal your girl. <laughs> well, it's threatening to my sexuality. I thought I was straight. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. No, I mean, everybody's everybody's got a hard on for Duplass. Don't <laughs> mm -hmm. worry. Um, yeah, I, uh, 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 yeah, I do worry about that. But I, but I did, I did really like Togetherness, and uh, uh, I was talking about Iggy goes down with someone. I didn't see it, but we were talking about. Uh, the oeuvre of Amanda Peet. Uh, mm. and, um, oh, you've even dropped the R in that word? Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> you bet. Uh, <laughs> I know that word. <laughs> I believe I you? one word. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, yeah, Amanda Deplete, uh, Amanda Deplete. Um, <laughs> oh, no, they've combined into a terror, <laughs> a talented terror. <laughs> the, that show really went off the rails when, like, in season six, somebody made, like, a transporting machine, and then yeah. Amanda Pete and Mark Duplass got their DNA mix. Yeah, they and... appeared and went, I am Deplete. <laughs> Cut to commercial. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wow, oh man, togetherness. He used to, he used to have something. Um, You're getting away from the togetherness theme of the show. Could you make an episode that is the most together you could possibly come up with? <laughs> this is after they fired like every writer. Um, so Amanda Pete is in many good Amanda things, and, and she's good. Yeah. So my main point of that is she's good, and I was under the impression that she was bad. So, ah, um, I've always found her fairly attractive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, actually, that's exactly, my addition to the exactly conversation. The I got last time I talked to uh, a guy about this subject. He's like, "Yeah, you know, she's a babe." <laughs> she's got that sort of and maybe this is so stupid like she's totally gorgeous but I remember when she was first introduced I felt like she had the unconventional beauty I think it's because she's funny I think that's all it is uh, okay I remember thinking that uh, Scarlett Johansson had that um, when I saw her in Ghost World oh sure um, yeah right I mean, unconventional beauty and looking back it's like ugh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> most obvious of all beauties. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It's it, it's sort of uh, she sort of seems to make it, uh, you know, a turn in her career. I guess it's just not being in the act, being a mainstream actress now. She just uh, um, is in really big things um, and also in small things. But uh, uh, 
Yeah, I, she had I, a little I, role in the way way back, and I was like, "Is that Amanda Peet?" The whole time. Oh wow. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. Amanda Peet, good. Amanda Peet, thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, and that. Kieran Culkin, thumbs up. But yeah. Macaulay Culkin, it's like, it's like, get over it, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also Amanda Peet's older sister. Get over it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Virginia Pete? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Virginia Pete sounds like a cowboy mascot for like beef jerky <laughs> or something. It's definitely a country singer. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure we established that this podcast is everything but rap and country, so we will move on without any more discussion of Virginia Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Pete's gunslinging father. <laughs> is, his na- is his birth name Peter Pete? <laughs> yes, it would have to be. <laughs> it's really quite unfortunate for him. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Um, what? Um, you had a thing that maybe I want to talk, I think we should maybe touch on before we wrap up this evening, um, that I was interested in talking about, um, maybe even a couple episodes back, but we didn't have time. Um, we were just, we were just too busy being, uh, hilarious and observational. <laughs> once we read peach peak hilarious, mm-hmm. yeah. there's nowhere to go from there. So you gotta space it out. Yeah, exactly. Stop that's being... why if this has seemed a little slow this episode, that's why. <laughs> exactly. You have a funny episode. You have a darker episode. You yeah, know? exactly. It's exactly. Like we can hit both like, emotional. The points. last, the last two episodes were too like comic book like. I'm into going to the dark side of <laughs> Rock and Sockin's Razor. I, I, I want you know. I want to. I would you know. Let's you know. We got we got Christopher Nolan in. It's dark. We're looking at brooding. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Just like mentioning that Michael Sarah was in a play that you saw, but not really getting into it, leaves this sort of like squidgy feeling. Like, oh, why didn't they talk about that? Like, yeah. isn't that a talking point? Yeah. It's like, hey, guess what? In life, there are loose ends. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Okay, people, not everything is a neat little package. We're not. We're not trying to get an Oscar here. We're like, we're we're we're, we're doing, you know, we're we're we're, we're doing the off kilter thing. Exactly. If anything, we're trying to get a podcasty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's an award, right? <laughs> I suppose it's really kind of like uncreative, but <laughs> a uh, a alone in my basement tea. <laughs> <laughs> that, just, that just sounds like you're trying to make your depressing life sound way more whimsical by adding e on the end of. A sad thing you do, right? Like how, uh, like how <laughs> dangerously underdeveloped babies are called preemies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that is so cute. <laughs> I hope you never get bigger. You're adorable at this tiny size. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> preemie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that is> funny. <laughs> funny. 
so you were getting back to our point about this 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 um, this issue, this talking point that you have on the uh, the Google Doc here. If if I can pull the curtain back and reveal some of our process. Yeah. Ooh. Making <laughs> um, up. I know it's yours because it's in blue colored font. A little more, a little more behind the scenes info, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Max uses a red colored font, which I read as angry. <laughs> exactly. Like, That's why all my talking points are why so many Italians? <laughs> in what context? Well, we'll get into what context. <laughs> um, so your very depressing point, being that it's in blue, um, is that. Uh, your mom uses emojis now. Oh yeah, my mom uses emojis now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how she got on that on that emoji kick. And um, and you know this. Uh, uh, I I really have fully embraced embraced emojis. I love emojis. I like uh, making little emoji scenes out of things. I like <laughs> having a. I, I think I think my favorite thing about emojis is probably. Um, uh, the, I mean, I don't know if, 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 if uh, uh, to be kind of pretentious about it, I guess is like, it's kind of a, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of almost poetic. I think it's a, a poetic recontextualization of things to put maybe two emojis next to each other that don't quite, uh, uh, automatically make sense with each other. I think though, the way that you use emojis, it's really nice because it's, uh, it seems very, um, uh, Sort of random in a way, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but they, yeah, and and they all the, and and but it's just a it it it, uh, it it's a really uh, I don't know it's a neat way to use language. I think that 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 uh, 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 people get um, angry about emojis because they say that oh this is this is another millennial thing of like they don't even care about words anymore. But like nobody right. thinks that nobody thinks that anything is going to be written in emoji. Like right, right. there is there is a Moby Dick written in emoji, which is Whoa. which is uh, which is amazing. I think I saw I saw it in a um, there was an emoji themed art show that I went to and they had a book <laughs> there. It's called uh, Emoji Dick. Michael Sarah put it on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Michael Sarah and um, uh, Zoe Deschanel teamed <laughs> up. Um, put on this adorable art show. Um, <laughs> the art show itself had bangs. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, um, but I was, I was, uh, I was, I was surprised to see um, uh, my mom using emojis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is only a couple of months after I first saw my mom say, uh, I think she she started at least using the big three uh, abbreviations, LOL, OMG, and WTF. That is crazy um, to hear coming in, from your mom. I can't imagine that. <laughs> yeah, in text. And then about uh, two months later, I see an emoji from her and... Um, and both are kind of surprising, but also what's surprising is the acceleration of of, of, of how fast she's catching up to these things. Right. Um, as that she started using abbreviations, then all of a sudden started using emojis. And I guess she does not have the, uh, um, she didn't, you know, adopt the things as they came out, so she can just do it whenever she wants to. But um, hmm. but it's uh, like she flipped a switch and decided to start using all the new text things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, 
I don't know. I, I, like, like I was, yeah. So I was wondering, like, are people getting uh, faster at their rate of picking things up, or uh, and and is it is a is a need to uh, uh, pick pick up um, things like using emoji and uh, and using abbreviations in text all the way to knowing what Tumblr is and uh, knowing who's popular on Twitter and knowing about Instagram and things like that. Are those, when an, uh, when an older person uh, who wasn't around, uh, who, who, who uh, has been around a lot longer than those, starts adopting those and starts talking about those, is that something that, that they are doing because they valued the technology or is it something that they're doing to stay relevant and does it seem like sad in a way or is it awesome <laughs> that, yeah yeah no i know exactly what you're talking about it, it, obviously it, when it's my mom it's awesome like i like my my mom uh using emojis is nothing but uh nothing but great but maybe when when some older person in the public eye, you know, mentions Instagram, and you just get a little bit of a skeevy feeling, like, oh, geez, <laughs> their their publicist told them that they have to say Instagram right, right. because they have to. Get, they're losing a younger viewership or whatever. I, I, right. It's it's like a like a an old like an old like a like a forty year old soccer dad being like, that's bitching, right, son? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, exactly. Ugh, dude. It's like, oh, jeez. <laughs> um, but like, yeah. and all I think also though, like, like you're talking about like sad, and pathetic. But I think also there's a sad because what I think about is like an older generation that spent three quarters of their life, if not more, the vast majority of their life, not using computers, maybe word processing, maybe email. That is it. And, mm-hmm. and with, well, with the invention of the internet, um, like there starts being this entire virtual, uh, layer to society and all these cultures. And so not using, like not being comfortable with computers as they are today is like, and now granted, emojis and WTF is not the same as the internet and and computers. It's youth culture and which is different. Yeah. But I guess I sort of like relate back to like my mom like accepting that it's important to use Gmail. And that's sort of like not a thing. Like she's old enough that like email has not come naturally. And I was like, I'll set up a Gmail account for you. So now we can talk without having to talk on the phone or whatever. And, uh, her kind of struggling to like figure out how to learn how to forward an email or whatever. And I think there's a sort of like heartbreaking quality that I don't know that this is true with my mom, but I, I could easily kind of like imagine a, s- a scenario where old people are um, are like, well, fuck, this is a really major part of, of society now. And not knowing how to use computers in like the most rudimentary way is like not knowing how to use the sink in the kitchen or something. Right. Right. <clears throat> and so, to, so that sort of like desperate, like running to catch up, not out of coolness, but out of some, like, I don't know, like it's creepy if I don't keep up cause it's such a universal thing. Right. Uh, um, is is sort of heartbreaking in that sort of like I want to hug all the olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, um, uh, my dad um, 
who is older than my mom, uh, has managed to uh, pretty much stay step aside from all of it, from all of uh, uh, technology and youth culture and everything. He sort of he sort of just written it all off, and 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 it and it managed in his life to uh, uh, get by fine without it. Um, and that's like a way more baller choice than running know, to catch exactly. up. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I remember um, try, showing him when we first got internet in the home, showing him how he could write an email, and he was very frustrated that he couldn't just, uh, you know, go to the search bar and type in, um, and type in the email. And then send it, and it would, and, and then it wouldn't know who he was sending it to. And so he's like, "Isn't technology supposed to be easy? Like, this is not easy. This is a whole new thing to learn." Right, uh, right. Uh, so I, I, you know, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. And and you know, I, and, and my parents, uh, uh, you know, still send, uh, uh, still pay all their bills with checks, and still like they don't have any like. Uh, presence on the, uh, you know, on the, on, on the internet at all, um, uh, which is, although my mom got Instagram as well, but she got Instagram just to check out uh, what her kids are doing. Just that weird, like, creepy thing where it's like uh, they have zero photos and no profile picture. Like, <laughs> this, this person is a mom. Like, and you see that, it's like right. this person is checking up on their kids. Yeah, yeah. The Twitter equivalent of an egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That egg is terrifying. <laughs> I, I, how did Twitter manage to come up with, and it's been their thing forever, ever since they were like a little, they, they managed to come up with a thing that just makes someone appear to be a creepy alien. Like, like if, if anyone is, and the different colors, there's like several colors for the egg, which yeah. I see on side randomly. Yeah. Uh, but anytime I see that someone is an egg, on Twitter, uh, is, uh, I, I feel very creeped out. <laughs> right, some, totally. some theremin music creeps in when I see that. Yeah, it took me a really long time before I realized the thematic tie into a bird tweeting. And, like, you're an unhatched egg. Who knows what kind of oh. user will pop out of you? Whoa, I never... Okay, that makes it seem a lot less creepy, I guess. I just thought it was a weird shape. Right. <laughs> and right. when it comes down to it, isn't everything just a weird shape? That's true. It's true. my lesson. <laughs> um, I just think it's amazing that you were able to smoke so much weed without getting it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, but, though, no, so, like, yeah, you're right. I think that's really kind of an amazing, like... Uh, uh, like mishmash. Let's say mashup. That's a cool word. Between <laughs> something that uh that an uncool dad would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, hey son, how nice is your mashup? mashup. <laughs> <laughs> dad. <laughs> um, but um, uh, that like, uh, how was Instagram practice today, son? <laughs> 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 If I am ever a father, that is going to be constant. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, wouldn't it be even better if I did use exactly those references? So you'd be like, that doesn't even make sense, Dad. That was your I generation. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, these things are going to be long gone by the time yeah. uh, we are old people trying to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine it'll be 
fucking crazy. Like, I definitely have already run into, like, whatever, our office upgraded to um, Office 365. And so now we have, like, Outlook 2013 and Excel 2013. And we were using Excel 2003. So we just bumped up 10 years. But Microsoft loves to change a bunch of shit. And I found myself being like, girl, why would you change it? Why can't it just be the same? And it's like, whoa, when I was 24, I never would have thought that way. But here I am at 32, just absolutely being like... Technology is supposed to be easy. <laughs> yeah, totally. I I remember one point where I I remember it being the first time I had ever thought something like this, and it was that a uh, a new thing that had a new thing had come along that I was had heard about, but I specifically did not want to learn about because I was like, this is such a uh, such a new thing and it's like like i don't even want to learn what this is because it would take way too much time and i already need to learn too much stuff about how the world works sure that i don't need to learn what this new thing that everyone's saying is and that thing was podcast i remember (laughs) first time i heard about podcasts i was like ah that's something i probably don't need to know about because uh it's just one of these many many things that i have to uh right. sign up for and i'm gonna opt not to sign up for that one because my life is probably going to be just as rich without it. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> look at me today <laughs> so there's <laughs> um there's definitely there were a lot of people who like when i was like hey this new facebook thing's kind of catching on maybe you should join facebook and we can chat on the facebook and most people go god damn it you already convinced me to join myspace i don't need 17 different social media things and so they as a result of kind of putting their foot down in this like in this like sort of very sober sense of not getting swept up in trends like were six years after the fact, like joined Facebook awkwardly late. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I do the same thing, like Twitter. I joined Twitter in 2011. And because I spent so long being like, fuck that, it's a trend, it's for little girls. Um, and I think emoji was exactly the same thing for me. And then after a while, I was like, Actually, that sounds really fun and funny to just say, like, skull, explosion, American flag at the end of a text for no meaning, for no reason. Mm-hmm. And so I just was like, how do I install this keyboard? <laughs> and somebody, my coworker, was like, oh, really? You don't have emoji? Yeah. You have to go to, uh, you have to, go to the app store and download the emoji app, which is just some shitty, like, puzzle game <laughs> that's catching in on the emoji name. <laughs> And so it's like, first you download that app, and then you go into your keyboard settings and enable emojis, which you can do without that non-related yeah. app. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I had they to go just back. Were, they just, they made the emoji app. Like, they were, they were plugging their own app. Genius. It's like, uh, how do I, like, what's the newest popular thing? I've heard emojis big. I'm going to make a game called Emoji. Yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly. knowing anything about it. It's genius. Um <laughs> And, and and so, yeah, it's like you, you, it's like, how do you like podcasting before you knew what that was? Like, how do you pinpoint the ones that are just going to vanish and you're going to be an idiot for being a part of? And which are the ones that you're going to be like, I'm a hip guy. Why wasn't I an early adopter of that thing? And it's way too late now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I was reading. Um, I don't know if you read the uh, the New York Magazine interview with uh, Chris Rock. Um, uh, came out uh, uh, as he was doing his press tour um, for uh, uh, Top Five uh, or something. Top Five, yeah, and uh, um, and everything he went on he went on fresh air um uh and a few other podcasts he did a long interview with um with uh new york magazine um there's an article about him in the new yorker um and uh, like he's uh he's he's the best like he's he nice. says such he says such intelligent things his whole press tour for the new movie um of him doing all these interviews all of a sudden was really great because he had a lot of really really intelligent things to say about um, about everything from uh, violence toward uh, uh, young black men um, uh, to Bill Cosby um, hmm. and uh, uh, like like uh, you know uh, big uh, issues like that and also down to like you know like uh, um, as a as a 50 year old comedian does he use Twitter and things and mm-hmm. he was he, and, and, and what he had to say about that uh, uh, in the interview, was that you definitely have to, as, as someone who is trying to speak the language of culture, you have to sign up for these things. You don't have a choice. And um, uh, um, he's like, Joan Rivers has the same, he's like, what makes Joan Rivers great? Um, uh, one of the things that makes her great is that she has the same jokes a lot of the time, but she updates them for who's in the news. So like, uh, <laughs> Uh, certain I don't remember who it was at first, but like certain jokes, and I can't like uh, make up anything on the fly, but like certain jokes became Lindsay Lohan jokes. Like that oh, was the sure. Lindsay Lohan joke when she wrote it, right? Um, uh, uh, and, and you know, so she just has these like blank spaces in her jokes um, that she fills in with culture, which to me seems real hokey. But <laughs> I, but also knowing Joan Rivers, it, it seems appropriate. But like um, uh, because she just is great, but. Um, uh, but I don't know Joan Rivers. <laughs> 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 Knowing Joan Rivers is thing. Yeah. <laughs> right, um, right, but, right. <laughs> I was like, Jake, is this where you dropped the bombshell of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my, my, my every advance I've ever had in life has been thanks to um, <laughs> God rest your soul. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I don't like. like I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I guess I, I, I guess it is. But also, when do you get to the point where I was with podcasts, where you're just like deciding you're not going to learn something because you don't like you think that you don't have to, and you would rather not deal with it. Um, yeah. But I guess then you don't get to participate in the conversation. Right. So, I, the the thing that I relate to with that is. Uh, like the the in TV shows, like the Breaking Bads, I decided I'm just not gonna follow X Y Z show, and yeah. then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, often because I'll meet somebody who like maybe I have kind of a crush on or something, and it's like this is a great opportunity to talk to them about anything, and they're really into Mad Men. Well, then fuck, I will now watch all the Mad Men's and catch up so that I can, now the new season's coming out because they're not going to talk, because that's the other thing is attention span on these shows is so goddamn short because it's always a new exciting episode so right. 
I just have to watch the That's All homework just so I can watch the new episodes as they come out so that I can talk to this person about the show or whatever. Right, exactly. And you're not just sidling up to them and be like, so those madmen are up to some mad things. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously never watched the show. Um, uh, and... And so, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's coming down the pike. I guess I feel like like when it when these new things are coming down the pike, I feel like are you on or are you off? And you can always join up later, but the longer you wait, the more the fewer opportunities you'll have to have been a part of that conversation or have been a part of that experience. And and that's interesting what you're saying about Chris Rock being like if you're commenting on culture, if you're, you're positioning yourself as somebody who discusses the the world around us, then you you owe it to your audience, let alone yourself, to 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 jump into the thing that is apparently getting everyone's attention. Um, and and I, I don't know, I don't know that that that's I think that is true of any artist that when you i mean maybe not like maybe like maybe there's the your dad of artists that like is is absorbing and producing stuff relating to old-timey things and that's their thing and that's almost better question mark to not be distracted by it's kind of like once when i was an aspiring filmmaker and i was dating this girl and she was like oh have you seen um uh lawrence of arabia and I was like, no, I feel like I avoid seeing some of the more classic films because I don't want my filmmaking like aesthetic to be like affected or manipulated by having seen these classic films. And she was like, well, then you shouldn't see any films at all. And I was like, oh, <laughs> owned. <laughs> so, so I real quickly watched Lawrence of Arabia and it was great. <laughs> but, um, and, and so, yeah, so as an artist it's it's on you to see as much of the world as possible right mm -hmm. and 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 yet like going to some obscure country you know to obscure to americans and then coming back and having things to say or, or being affected by that that's super cool remember when alanis morissette did that thank you india song changed the radio but um who's talking about india before her nobody but, but like I think maybe even more, you know, this is different than that. This is like, like I said, the kitchen sink, like not being able to talk about that is kind of awkward and embarrassing. Right. I think that, I, I think that prior to the, the, uh, prior to the current, uh, conversation going on around, um, uh, Bill Cosby, um, the last conversation that a lot of people, uh, you, you know, that the, the, there's Bill Cosby, the, the classic comedian and then but in like the early 2000s i think a lot of people knew bill cosby as kind of an old fuddy-duddy guy mm -hmm. who hadn't caught up with the times mm -hmm. like he was a he was a old person's comedian and he was also a social conservative who uh told black people to pull their pants up and uh, uh you know yeah sort of, uh, told uh, young people not to do drugs right exactly and it's, and, and it's like oh god this guy again and um and so yeah, and I and, and I see that as you know I see that as a bad thing. Like I don't like like as a result, I think that um, uh, Bill Cosby is like you know not uh, funny. Um, uh, uh, well, was not 
and no, that's not true. Like, like, like was not funny doing those things, and mm-hmm. did seem like an old, irrelevant man um, because of those things. But, um, uh, but then I think of someone who's whose stuff, and I guess I'm just sticking on comedians, but like uh, uh, someone whose stuff is more timeless, like who doesn't include references or who is maybe more irreverent. Uh, so I guess they afloat like maybe like Stephen Wright or something whose mm-hmm. act consists entirely of one-liners and it's impossible to kind of update that. Like, <laughs> right. They, yeah. That, that's just, that's so, so irreverent and, uh, you know, quote unquote random that, uh, that, you know, he doesn't need to do that. It's sort of built into his act that he will never have to update it. But I know they'll come up with new jokes, but it's always going to be the same thing. And he's like, I think he's like, uh, verging on genius. Yeah. 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 The fact that that mind can come up with consistently so many of those one liners, like if I came up with one of those, it would be the joke I would ride for the rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, okay, so maybe my material about how family guy is worse than the Simpsons. Isn't that great? But 10 years ago, I said, (laughs) (laughs) like I once was stayed at a hotel with a pool on the 32nd floor and you wouldn't believe how deep it was. That was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) people going just like why are you why did we bring you to the bar mitzvah to entertain (laughs) this was a terrible idea um yeah yeah so so i don't know um i people are it's not as though people are required to know all these things but it does seem like the like watching the seventies stand up show of Bill Cosby sitting in a chair and telling people that when you do drugs your eyes go like this whoa, whoa, and everyone goes ha ah, ha ha really seems like a guy that the high school hired to come speak at the assembly and yeah. it's the opposite of pushing the envelope it's there's no new way of thinking and that like I guess that's tough to say because. You should be able to write a joke about anything, and if you're a good joke writer, it's a good joke. But I guess maybe it comes back to content. Like, I don't know that it's interesting. I personally am not interested in hearing somebody say, continue doing the old thing, even though the new thing is tempting. Like, what if there were a comedian whose whole bit was, don't you dare join Twitter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be, be amazing. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Like now, like in 2015, right. someone's saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's this new thing you may have heard of called Twitter, and podcasting is a sin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember when I first heard the word podcast, and I was like, all right, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. I, I was watching David Letterman, and um, and he was like announcing the musical guest, and he was like, "I think, I think this is a podcast. I think we're in a podcast right now." And I just thought it was so funny because <laughs> I was like, "Yes, that's exactly the reason I don't want to join it because it's like he's yeah he was he made fun of it so well, and he's like, but he's also like an old man, like right. he, like uh, he's he's definitely the type of person who." you would assume would uh, would say bah humbug to all the new technologies and make it really funny. That's um, true, yeah, that's a good point. But, uh, and I expect that out of David Letterman. Like, I, But, I don't know, I, I, I do, I guess I want, I want people to stay relevant. I don't know. 
Yeah, right. And it's it's a it's a tough line to toe between staying relevant and just saying <laughs> I got on the subway the other day and I thought I saw an ISIS, but it turns out it was an Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Stephen Wright? That's really good. <laughs> All right, uh, folks. I think we're. I think with that, we are out of here. <laughs> oh, uh, e- uh, let us know what you think about Tumblr and <laughs> iPodcasts. Uh, yeah. At uh, yeah. uh, I think it's rockamockam at gmail dot com. It's r o c k e m o c c a m at gmail dot com. And. Uh, is there a t- do we have a Tumblr? We do not have a Tumblr. We have a uh, blog spot though, which um, which will look more attractive by the time this episode goes up. <laughs> Excellent. So. That's Rockham Sockham's Razor uh, dot Tumblr. No, dot blogspot dot com. Blogspot dot com. Yes. <laughs> slash um, Friendster. <laughs> slash MySpace slash Friendster slash Lycos. Ooh. <laughs> Deep cut. Uh, all right, I got a uh, new iPhone, and it has the new uh, iPhone operating system on it. And the text feature has an algorithm in it that just assumes the next word you want to write. <laughs> you can just press the next button, and it will write a thing. <laughs> so I just wrote a text consisting entirely of pressing the next button. The fact I can see it as well be a great way for a few weeks of a sudden. It was the best year of the and I don't think that I have a great way of the day before I get a follow back on my way home from work to be the first half of the day. Good night, everybody. Hey.